Welcome to the Loft Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message and that it ignites in you a hunger for more of God's presence in your life. Tonight, we are going to have our special guest speaker. Love this guy so much. So he's going to give us a message tonight. Here you go. You're, you're welcome. Feel the pressure. All right. And Faith and Rebecca may be interjecting. It's an open forum for them to. They were going to sit up here with me, but they got scared or something. So, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, So, yeah, tonight when you walked in, you may have noticed some mirrors. Did anyone notice the mirrors? Show of hands, most, a lot of people. Did anyone look in the mirror? Oh, yeah, sort of, yeah, yeah. Yeah, did, does anyone remember what they saw when they looked in the mirror? Someone gave the pat answer up front here. Jesus. He read ahead. Anyone else? Like, did you look in the mirror and think anything or... Saw the door, yeah. Does anyone want to volunteer and come up here for a minute? Anyone? Two volunteers, please. Nene. Oh, all right. Sam Shoemate. Good job, Sam. All right, so. No, yeah, a couple people. So I just, just, I want you to hold that mirror and, and look at yourself in that mirror. And just, like, we're going to be serious for 15 seconds. (laughs) Now look and and see what you see. Now what I want you to do is you're going to tell that person in the mirror, I love you. I love you. Good job. Can you tell me what you saw in the mirror? Um, really, really cute face, and, uh, All right. That's good. some nice-looking dimples, and, uh, right. some very beautiful eyes. Good job. Good job. All right. Thanks, Sam. You're done. All right, Nene, your turn. Okay. I, I, I should have done this. <laughs> I'm glad you did. Now, just take, like, 15 seconds and look in the mirror. Look at yourself. You can do it. You can do it. Nice. Yeah. Okay. Now I just want you to look at that person and tell them. I love you. So weird. Now, now, now what you see? What else? See anything else in the mirror? Um, I saw fierce. Okay. Um, uh, strong. Nice. Enduring. Fierce, not fears. Yeah, fears. Like, yes. Good job. Yeah. All right. Thank you. Cut. Good job, you fearsome warrior. Thank nice. you. Thank you. So, I did that the other morning, not really on purpose. Just, I had the mirror sitting across from me, and I looked in it for a while, and. And then I really started looking. And, you know, you can't look 
at both eyes at the same time when you're looking in a mirror. It's weird. You can only, like, I tried, and I, you can't, you can't do it. So I looked at my forehead to see if I could see both eyes, and, you know, I was just kind of, I was, like, a while, yeah. But, so after a while, I, like, literally started to cry a little bit, looking at myself in the mirror. And it was interesting. It was interesting. So, thank you guys for volunteering for that. And it'll become more and more clear as we go over the next few minutes why we looked in the mirror. But the name of the message is In His Image. And Genesis 1, and 27 says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. So, what does it mean to be made in his image? And you guys can give me feedback, I'll wait, or you don't have to. What's it mean? In his image. Bye, Cam. To reflect him. To explain him, to honor him. To represent him. It's good. To share him. I like that. You know, it's it's kind of interesting because if I don't stop and think about something like in his image, do I ever really contemplate it? You know, like do I ever really dig into it? <clears throat> I'm hoping that we kind of get a perspective tonight of how amazing we are. I mean, we are made in his image. I mean, like, we are made like in an exact image of God. We, human beings, are made. We're very special. We are very amazing. We rise above everything else that has ever been created in this earth. And the devil doesn't want us to know that. So we're going to kick him in the teeth tonight, I hope. So I came up with, in his image, to manifest his character and authority, express his dominion over the earth, display his indisputable power over the works of darkness and subdue his arch enemy, Satan. In his image, to manifest his character and authority express his dominion over the earth, display his indisputable power over the works of darkness, and subdue his arch enemy, Satan. So I got to skip over to John real quick because 
Uh, it just popped into my head. John 1, 1 through 5. Because we're supposed to overcome the darkness. And in John 1, 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him, nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. And the word comprehend there means the darkness didn't overtake it. The darkness could not subdue the light. So with him in me and in you, And us being in his likeness, all we have to do is show up, literally, is just show up. And the darkness can't comprehend it. It has to flee. It it can't do anything about it when we show up. And I just love this passage. In the beginning was the Word, which is Jesus, right? The Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. Now this part, I want you to take this into your heart. All things were made through him, through him. And without him, nothing was made that was made. You were made through the word. You were fashioned through Jesus. You didn't just pop into existence. You were made specifically by him, through him, for this time, in this place. Okay, so, in his image. Just let that statement sit there for a minute. In his image. What do I believe about myself concerning this statement? What do I believe? And I, I'm, I ask myself this question sitting at the desk. What do I believe about myself concerning? Whoa! That's no can do. <laughs> too big, too much. I wish that was me. You know that little statement I, I read? That was my reaction to it. Like, uh, subdue darkness, overcome the arch enemy, Satan. Uh, let's see. Maybe I can help somehow. And then I thought, as if God needs my help. And then, actually, he needs me. He needs me to be who he made me to be. So he can do what he wants done in this world. So, like, he needs you to be who he made you to be. So he can do what he wants to do in this world. I mean, we are Christ to this world. And I'll get there. I'm getting ahead of myself. Okay, so what do I believe about being made in his image? What do I believe about that? Anyone? What do you believe about being made in his image? Anything pop into your head or into your heart? Or... Yes. Definitely. Do you believe you're made in his image? Yeah. He defines us, not anything else. Nice. I like that. Okay. 
Why do I believe what I do about being made in his image? <laughs> Why do I believe what I do about being made in his image? Have I ever really considered it? So my first thought was that the devil has derailed humanity, and then I realized that that's a cop-out. That's not really true. What's really true is humanity has allowed itself to be derailed from its true identity. That's what's really true. Yeah, because, you know, like, we have choice. And humanity had chosen to be derailed. We always have an excuse for why we were deceived or why we can't do something. And I know that's true for me, or has been. God's cleaning that up in all of us all the time. And I'm definitely not about condemnation, but I am about conviction, because the Holy Spirit will convict us. And the reason he does is because he loves us, <laughs> and he wants the best for us. So he'll convict us and help us stay on the right track. So the responsibility for walking in my destiny lays squarely on my shoulders, nowhere else. The devil can't take me out of my destiny. God can't put me in my destiny. I have to choose it. It's on me. It's on you. And the beautiful thing is, it's, I mean, that can seem like, oh, it's not that heavy. It's, it's a choice. It's hearing his voice, and then it's another choice. And it's, hearing, and it's taking that step in the power of God because he doesn't force our choices, but I know God is standing in the stream of our destiny, and he's saying, come on. He's calling us right into it. He's, he's in front of us. He's making the way. He's lining things up. He's making everything just the way it needs to be for us to walk in that path of destiny that he's calling us into. And our part is making the choice to walk through the open door. It might be scary. We might not know what's on the other side of that door, but it doesn't matter. He's over there, so who cares? Like... I'm going, man. I want to go. So God has not changed. He's given us all we need to fulfill our destiny, living as his image in the earth. Consider Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4 through 11. I'm going to read that for you. Just let your heart... Father God, I just pray that your word will hit its mark in our hearts right now. Right now. Just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace by which he made us accepted in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood and the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace, 
which he made to abound toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of the times he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth in him. In him also we have obtained an inheritance being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. Thank you, Jesus. So God hasn't changed, and he won't. And he gives us what we need. I mean, he, he planned it ahead of time when he knit us together in, his, in, in our mom's womb. Okay, now I want to shift our focus just for a minute because we do have an enemy and he doesn't like you and I hate him. He sucks. The devil. He's gross. And he's not. He's not powerful. He's a liar. That's all his power is. He is a liar. That's all he has. That's it. A lie. That's how he's going to defeat people. He lies to us. He finds some little chink, and then he starts the lie. And it's like, I don't know, when you were a kid, if you ever had that Chinese water torture, your friends, they'd hold you the drip on your forehead. You know, you'd be like, ah, this ain't no big deal. Half hour later, you'd be like, ah, stop, no. I can't take it. Well, he's just like that. That's all he's got is a little drip. He's a liar. He's defeated. He is defeated. We are we're the winners. We are in, in Christ. We are undefeatable. We are, we are undeniably like amazing and never, ever able to be defeated. He's a liar. That's all he's got. But he doesn't want you to know who you are. He really doesn't. John 8, says, the devil is a murderer. He does not stand in truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources. For he is a liar and the father of it. That's all he is. All his resources are lies. All he has on you and me is what we give him. And so if he has anything on you right now, Father God, I just pray that you reveal to all our hearts right now, if he has anything on us, that we would just cut it loose now, that we would recognize the lie, we'd recognize the deception, we'd bring it into the light, and it would go and run away like the little scared thing that it is. Thank you, God. Thank you, Father. So identity is under full assault, if you haven't noticed. Have you noticed? I mean, come on, like, I don't know how many genders or whatever, all the whole, you know, he, she, the whatever things, they're, it's crazy. I mean, it's under full assault. The family has been under full assault. 63.5 million kids since Roe v. Wade are gone from this nation. That's the California and Texas, the entire population of those two states. Who were those evangelists and 
preachers. And who were those people? I mean, we're under full assault by the enemy because he doesn't want us to know who we are. Because he's terrified. I mean, think about Jesus. And when he came out of the grave, the devil was like, oh, oh. And then you had the 12 disciples and and the 120 that prayed in the room got filled with the Holy Spirit. And he was probably like, oh, no. Just think if a million of us or two million or five million or 20 million become Christ in the earth, it's over in a day. That's what God wants us to wake up to. I mean, to rule in this earth. In his image, I was reading as I was studying this, in the days of Israel, they would take, kings would have images of themselves carved and placed in all the little hamlets and whatever they were called, all the little areas where they ruled. So people would see that image and know, okay, the king rules. Well, God said, don't ever make an image of me. Don't try to make an image of me. He said, my image is you. You are a living image. You are the representative in the earth. You are kings and priests called and set aside at the order of Melchizedek to rule in the earth and subdue it and command it and walk in righteousness and take the earth over. He told us to do it. And we're going to. And it's going to be in love. It's, it's, I mean, his government is one that's based on love. That's going to be so amazing. I mean, your punishment is going to be, you know, 4,000 pounds of love. And it will change you, I guarantee. I mean, you know, it's going to be so different, we can't imagine it. But it's going to be amazing. I mean, it's going to be crazy good. Is it time? Faith wanted to add a little something, something. Okay, I'm very nervous. I'm very nervous. Um, yeah, so I have a word that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share, but I think I should share just some stuff I wrote down. Um, being made in his image is more than just what's on the outside, right? He actually takes pieces of himself and he implants it into us. Like, integral desires in our hearts are actually pieces of him that he's implanted into us. Like worship, that is a piece of him. Being a contractor, that's a desire that you had. That is a piece of him. Uh, Loving to do school, I mean, I don't know if you actually love it, but going for what you want, that's a piece of him. There's there's parts that, it's not just a physical thing, and that's what he was showing me, because I was like, okay, I can look in the mirror, and I, I, I can see him, but also what's going on inside of me, you know? Like, what do I talk about? What do I think about? What, what is him and what's not him? A need to communicate and to fellowship. Those are parts of him. A need to be in a relationship with other people. Those are parts of him. Um, so there was a study on quantum physics called, called quantum entanglements. And it's basically, I'm going to read the description. Quantum entanglement is a physical phenomenon that occurs when a group or singular particulates like photons or electrons are generated to interact or share spatial proximity in a way such that the quantum state of each particle of the group cannot be described independently of the state of the others. 
So even if they're separated by vast distances, you wouldn't be able to tell them apart. There was a study done in the very beginning of the whole quantum entanglement research. They had two particles light years away. And they, this is the best way we can describe it because I'm not super knowledgeable on all of the... Uh, yeah, yeah, of it. But they turned one on over here, and because the two particles were entangled, this one, light years away, turned on, but they couldn't tell when it turned on. Two different particles, but because they've become entangled, when one does something, the other does it, and they can't tell when it happens. That's how connected they are. And that's what being made in his image is about, is that we are quantumly, physically entangled with who he is. So when he reacts, we react as well. That's why in one whole room, and, and when we're all believers, we're in the same spot, I guarantee when I get goosebumps, a lot of other people get goosebumps at the same time. That's not just a happenstance. We are physically, spiritually entangled with each other, with the creator in life. Okay, so a great description of the entanglement is Psalm 139, 1 through 15. O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You searched out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it altogether. You hem in me behind and before and lay down your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. Is its height? I cannot attain it. Where shall I go from your spirit? Or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take up wings in the, of the morning and dwell in the outermost parts of the sea, even there you, your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me and the light about me be night, even the darkness is not too dark for you. The night is bright as the day, and for the darkness is as light with you. For you formed my inward parts, you knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your words, works, and my soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. So that's quantum entanglement. And kind of like what my dad was saying, that's why I was going to say my generation is under attack, but the earth is under attack, and specifically our identity. There aren't 5,738 genders. I hate to break it to you. There is a man and there is a woman created in his image, one from another. We are in him. He is in us. We're all in God, right? So our identity is under attack. And you kind of read my thoughts. I said, because Satan hates us. He hates that we look like, act like, sound like God. He hates it. So what does he do with it? He goes after our identity. Because if you don't know who you are, how are you going to know who God is? A big thing that he also does is he tries to distract us from our purpose. A little lie here, someone walks by here, says something, 
You trip on your shoelace and you say a cuss word. You're, it's distraction, it all is, right? He's trying to distract us from our purpose, which then distracts us from our identity. He will do anything to destroy you. He will. He is trying to destroy you because he's jealous of you, because we were created in God's image and he was not. When God created man, we, we went above Satan, and he hates that. So our identity is being attacked. Our worship is being attacked. Our communication, fellowship, relationships are being attacked. And this generation, and all the generations, has to be reminded of the entanglement that we were created in. That nothing can separate us from the creator. No height, no depth, no width, no length can separate us from who we were meant to be, who, were we, who we were created to be. Not one single thing can separate us from that because he is up there and we are down here doesn't even separate us. We have been entangled spiritually with our spirits, even in our DNA. He is a, he is transcribed our DNA to be perfect the way it was. I was reading a study on DNA and how they thought however many strands are there on purpose, but then the other half were just by accident. And someone went, mm, I don't think that's right. And they figured out that if one fraction of a strand of your DNA is out of place, something goes wrong. So you've actually been designed on a physical side to be perfect in him. Yeah, when you look in a mirror, you're looking at a piece of who he is. Before he formed you in the womb, he knew you. From Genesis, I've created them in our image to John. On, the, on that day, you will realize that I am in you, you are in me, and we are both in the Father. Our God is reminding us of who he is, who we are in him, and the more that we are with him, the more we become like him. So that leads me into this word I got um, on January 11th at 3.12 p.m. And uh, I had never um, read the book of Micah, but he directed me to Micah 3.12, and it says, therefore, shall Zion be plowed as a field. It shall undergo a variety of reverses and sackages, till at last there shall not be one stone left on top of another. That shall not be pulled down, and then a plow shall be drawn along the side of the walls to signify an irreparable and endless destruction. Then he started speaking to me. And I kind of see it like, you know in Star Wars when it's like all black, and it's like a long time ago, and it's like the yellow words. That's kind of how I see like when God speaks to me. So this was just coming quick, and I was like, writing down as fast as I could. When I speak with life, heaven rejoices because heaven is an image of who God is. When I speak life to others, an immediate growth starts within their soul and physical body because the entanglement we have as believers with the Father and each other. When I speak life over myself, it instantaneously begins a replenishing of health into my heart, mind, soul, and body because I am feeding myself with the source of life. Think about this, in Genesis, when God spoke creation into existence, he spoke it in the image of himself, 
life was created. Like with just one word, life was created in his image. So how much do my words affect the things around me? How do I tend my field? Like a plow using my own words to uproot, dig deep, spreading seeds? Do I speak new life? Am I speaking to the image of God that is in the earth? Or do I use my plow as an irreparable and endless destruction to the things around me? Do I tear down the image of God? Would you be in the face of Jesus and say, I hate you, you're fat, you're ugly, I don't like you, I don't wanna listen to you today. Would you say that to him? So why in the heck would you talk to yourself that way? An image of God. Jesus was a man, just like you and I. You would never speak to him like that. Never, ever. Would, you wouldn't even think about it. But no. So don't speak to yourself that way. Because you're actually tearing down who God is when you speak that way. Proverbs 18, 21. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. To take this one step deeper, do the things that come out of my mouth depend on where the posture of my heart is that day? Does the posture of my heart depend on how I feel? And do things create, do those things create a guide for where my mind goes? Do I spiral? Do I let my emotions get the best of me? Do I let other people's emotions get a hold of me and cause me to act out? Do I get irritated easily? Do I say things often and regret them? Am I in fear? But what about the opposite? If I'm created in him, how much do my words affect myself? Do I say things in love? Do I believe the opposite of fear? Do I go into a situation where I would usually have anxiety and I say no? I am sound mind, a sound heart, I have peace. I walk into it. That's speaking life into the image of God. Yeah. Amen. Thank you. Good word. Mm -hmm. Thanks, Faith. That was very good. Which mirror are you looking into for your identity? Where are you looking for truth? The world holds itself up to reflect and mold you in a myriad of ways all the time. Tell a vision. Television. Movies, news, books, sermons, seminars, education, friends, job, hobbies, art, writing, devotion, prayer, etc. Are you looking there for your truth? Is that the mirror you're looking into to find out who you are? I propose that distraction can become a primary function of the enemy in keeping us separate from the word. The word is the true mirror of who you are. When you read the Bible, the Bible reads you. When the word reveals something, whatever it is, take heed to it. Don't just read it and forget it. If you do, you're deceiving yourselves. And a self-deceived person is a really deceived person. 
So just remember, when you read the Bible, the Bible reads you. And Father God, I pray each one of us here would get hungrier and hungrier and hungrier and hungrier, insatiable appetite for the word. God, I want an insatiable appetite for your word. All of us, I pray, would be so hungry that we cannot stop looking into who we are and being blown away more and more every day. James 1, through 25 says, don't just listen to the word of truth and not respond to it, for that is the essence of self-deception. So always let his word become like poetry, written and fulfilled by your life. If you listen to the word and don't live out the message you hear, you become like the person who looks in the mirror of the word to discover the reflection of his face in the beginning. You perceive how God sees you in the mirror of the word, but then you go out and forget. You forget your divine origin. But those who set their gaze deeply into the perfecting law of liberty are fascinated by and respond to the truth they hear and are strengthened by it. They experience God's blessing in all that they do. Thank you, Jesus. So how can we live in the truth? It's great to talk about. It's great to, like, flesh it out some. But how can we live there? Well, someone want this? (laughs) Uh, Jesus is the perfect representation of God in the earth. He is truth manifest in the flesh. I'm going to read out of John chapter 18. Uh... Starting at verse 28, John 18, 28. We're talking about truth and Jesus. 18, 28. Then they led, led Jesus from Caiaphas to the Praetorium, and it was early morning. But they themselves did not go into the Praetorium lest they should be defiled, but that they might eat the Passover. Pilate then went out to them and said, What accusation do you bring against this man? They answered and said to him, If he were not an evildoer, we would not have delivered him up to you. Then Pilate said to them, You take him and judge him according to your law. Therefore the Jews said to him, It is not lawful for us to put anyone to death. That the saying of Jesus might be fulfilled with which he spoke, signifying by what death he would die. Then Pilate entered the praetorium again, called Jesus and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered him, Are you speaking for yourself about this, or did others tell you this concerning me? Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? Your own nation and the chief priest had delivered you to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight so that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now my kingdom is not from here. Pilate therefore said to him, 
are you, are you a king then? Jesus answered, you say rightly that I am a king. For this cause I was born. And for this cause I have come into the world that I should bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. Pilate said to him, what is truth? And when he had said this, he went out again to the Jews and said to them, I find no fault in him at all. Jesus didn't have to tell Pilate the truth. Jesus showed him truth. He fully loved Pilate. He loved Judas. He loved Peter. He loved lepers. He loved the lame, the blind, the Pharisees, the soldiers, nailing him to the cross. We love truth because it's the way we were created by God. It's built in, so to speak. And every step we take in the direction of valuing truth and resisting falsity moves us closer to understanding that God is truth and to fulfilling Jesus' promise that this all-important truth will heal us and make us free. We have to look beyond the reflection in the mirror and move into the reality of who we are by looking into the true image of who God made us. This mirror is a portal. The mirror that I'm talking about now is a portal to the very mind and heart of the one who made us and in whose image we have been made. This mirror right here is a portal into the very heart and mind of God. It's in, it leads us directly into the one who made us. And not only as we read it do we gain understanding but it's a two-way mirror. It reads us back. It exposes sin. It exposes darkness. It exposes flaws. And then it shows you a way to reconcile that in Jesus Christ. It's an amazing thing that we have available to us. <clears throat> the Bible, the Word, is the mirror. And it only tells us the truth about who we are and our destiny. It will never lie to us, ever. Okay, so now I want you to just take a second, maybe close your eyes. Nancy, you're ahead of the game. Good job. <laughs> Sorry. So I want you to imagine Jesus, okay? Just take a minute and imagine him, okay? See his face. Maybe see his smile, see his piercing eyes. Maybe imagine he's anointed with some amazing oil. Just imagine Jesus. Now as you're imagining him, think about how you feel. Do you want to be near him? You want to see him. You want to love him. You want to hear him. Are you awestruck? Are you thankful? This is exactly how we should feel about ourselves. No different. Transfer that feeling. That's how you should feel about yourself, exactly how you feel about Jesus. Are you awestruck? 
2 Corinthians 3.18, but we all with unveiled face beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory just as by the Spirit of the Lord. It's saying we are Jesus and Jesus is us. He's in us. The fundamental purpose of God's word is to give us true self-knowledge. It is a real mirror. And when we look at ourselves properly in it, we see ourselves as God wants us to see ourselves. Now, when you next look in the mirror, imagine Jesus. He's looking back at you. When you look in the mirror next, imagine Jesus because he's looking back at you right through your face, right out of you. And I'll prove it to you. John 17. Meditate on this if you can while I'm reading it. Jesus praying for his disciples. I have manifested your name to the men whom you have given me out of the world. They were yours. You gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they have known <clears throat> that all things which you have given me are from you. For I have given to them the words which you have given me, and they have received them, and have known surely that I came forth from you, and they have believed that you sent me. I pray for them. I do not pray for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours, and all mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. Now I no longer in the world, but these are in the world, and I come to you, Holy Father. Keep through your name those whom you have given me, that they may be one as we are. While I was with them in the world, I kept them in your name. Those whom you gave me I have kept. And none of them is lost except, except the son of perdition, that the scripture might be fulfilled. But now I come to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. And for their sakes, I sanctify myself that they also may be sanctified by the truth. I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they all may be one, as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. And the glory which you gave me, I have given them, 
that they may be one just as we are one, I and them and you and me, that they may be made perfect in one that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. Father, I desire that they also whom you gave me may be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory which you have given me, for you loved me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, the world has not known you, but I have known you, and these have known that you sent me. And I have declared to them your name and will declare it that the love with which you love me may be in them and I in them. We're entangled. There is no separating us from Jesus or Jesus from us. So literally, when you look in the mirror, you will be seeing him. Acknowledge it. Let him search you. Look at yourself in your eyeballs and let him love you. Let him search you. Let him fill you up with his goodness. He can't do anything else. Thank you, Jesus. Beautiful. Beautiful. Right. So in his image, I hope that when you hear that phrase now that it's different for you, that you can never go back to the way you were before you came here tonight, that in his image is imprinted on you and in you. And every time that you look in the mirror, you won't be able to shake it. You might want to sometimes because you might want to do something that's not in his image, but you're going to look at yourself in the mirror and you're going to go, darn that, Tim. He ruined it for me. And I'm going to go, praise Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus.
Okay, I think I'm going to close this with prayer. Father, thank you for this time together. I thank you that when we call you Father, we truly are your sons and your daughters. That it's not just words, that it's truth. And I thank you that you are a miracle-working, wonder-making, fantabulously astounding being who's also a man. And that you love us so much, like that you made it so that we could be one with you and you would be one with us and that it would change us into a new creation, something completely different in this earth. Father, I pray that as we go out from here, we'll be hungry to look into this mirror, to look into the mirror of the word, to look into it over and over and over and see how alive it is and see how much freedom we can find inside of this mirror right here that shows us who we are. But more than that, it's a beautiful selfish thing, but it's a beautiful selfless thing as we find out who we are in Jesus, we're able to just give ourselves away like you did so freely and that we don't have to convince people of the truth. We just show them the truth by how we live, like Jesus in the earth. Thank you, God. Thank you for hope. Thank you for encouragement. Thank you, Father, that, that tomorrow is going to be amazing, more amazing than any day we've ever lived because we're going to find ourselves in you and in your image more and more and more every day and be abandoned to the kingdom. Thank you, Father. Father, I just, uh, I just pray that right now for anyone that has worry in their mind or heart that you would just wipe it away. Wipe away the worry. Bring solace to that heart. Thank you, Father. Thank you. Thank you that we don't have to figure it all out. We just have to take the next step that you're calling us into our destiny. We choose you. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Ready? Break! If you'll give me 30 seconds, please, before you leave. Um, I have to be obedient. Um, God laid on my heart some time ago on how to reach the Portland area using the Max Lines. Um, tomorrow, if you would like to join me, I'm going to meet at the parking station in Milwaukee, the end of the Max Line, the end of the Orange Line, at noon. And we're going to go on a treasure hunt. Okay, again, I just have to take a step of faith and obedience. Some of you... If you're going to be obedient, God is going to say, I don't want you to go tomorrow because you have other things I've called you to do. And so if you show up, you're going to be disobedient. So we don't want to be disobedient children. We want to be obedient children. But there's some of you that God is going to lay it on your heart. And even now your heart's kind of beating and saying, I, I think I want to go. 
All we're going to do is ride the max line. We're going to pray. We're going to ask God to give us uh, divine appointments with people. Just to let you know, uh, and I, I don't think they mind me telling the story, but basically Michael and True are here because God sent me to Piner Courthouse Square and gave me the name of their daughter. Um, and so they're here tonight, and they're part of our body because God gave me. And again, it's not me. It's just obedience. So again, God, like I said, if God is calling you, it's going to be at noon. Uh, the parking structure will meet up top, so we'll pray. We'll have a little time of, uh, you know, a little training if you've never done anything like this before. But all we're looking for is people that God tugs on your heart, and you're going to be obedient and say yes. And again, if, if God says no, then don't show up. All right? Okay? I, I just freeze us up when we're just obedient to do whatever he's called us to do. So, thanks, Tim. Thank you. Can I add one thing real quick? Just along those lines right there, I was at the dump yesterday. Dump. That's a weird word, the dump. Dump. Anyway, I was at the dump. I wasn't... Anyway, I won't go there, sorry. Uh, and I'm waiting to go in, dump my stuff. The gal's standing there. I'm chit-chatting with her a little bit. And she tells me that she's back at work, and she usually drives the big thing. And, but she fell and hurt herself. Oh, how'd you hurt yourself? Fell down the stairs, had like 18 exterior stitches, 32 interior, five months rehab. You know, she's finally back on her feet, and it's just been a long, hard. And the Holy Spirit in the middle of that's like, pray for her. And so I asked her her name, and, and it was Teresa. And I said, hey, Teresa, could I just pray for you real quick? And she's like, oh, I'd love that. And so I said, in the name of God, I just pray that you will be healed and you'll be healed quick in Jesus' name. And then I went in and did my stuff. I told her I'm going to be praying for you the entire time I'm unloading my load. And I was, man, I was unloading and it was a big load at the dump. <laughs> Dropped a load at the dump. So anyway, sorry. I, and I was praying for her and and I know, God, I can't wait. I hope I get to see her again because I want to hear how she got healed. I was just praying, man, and I felt the light of Christ just zooming toward her, and I was praying in tongues and just blessing her and healing. And, and I saw her looking over at me a few times, you know, because she wanted to, you know, she was checking in. And it was cool. I mean, it was, but that's how easy it is. It's so easy. And, like, God will give us these opportunities, and I've asked him for them. I want one a day. And, like, one week I got three, so I was, you know, four days off. But I, at least I had three that week, right? So you can get them, and it's, it's him. So it's like, just do it. All right. Love you guys. If you were inspired by today's message, be sure to hit subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you stream your podcast. For more information about The Loft or for gathering times and locations, you can check out our website at www.theloftnw.org or find us on Facebook and Instagram. Thanks for tuning in, and we hope you'll join us again next time.